Welcome back to DD Sports for the third episode of season one. Today, I will be without Dimitri because he's currently down in Alabama running from the military since he was drafted for World War III. All jokes aside, he's away checking out some college, but instead of doing it by myself, I have a guest. John Kim, welcome. What up? All right, let's start it out with uh, a little altercation we saw over the weekend in a heated Big Ten match. Uh, Juwan Howard has been suspended for the rest of the regular season, which is five games. And that is because he swung a punch at one of the Wisconsin coaches following the handshakes after the game. What are your thoughts on this? I'm sure you saw it. I mean, yeah, I honestly think Jawan Howard should be suspended for like the rest of the season, including March Madness, because it's like he was just being a sore loser. Like he, his team took a beat down, and then at the handshake line, like he just he was just salty, I guess, and he just decided he didn't want to shake his hand. I mean, honestly, it's just like, I mean, just take it. Like you lost, your team was not better than them, so just accept it. And then just go from there, like learn from the loss and instead of being a sore loser. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. But the background of it was that uh, with about two minutes left, they were up 15 Wisconsin, and uh, the Michigan guy wanted to put his subs in. So he called a timeout. Apparently, they were already in the backcourt for like six seconds, then there's like four seconds of violation. And he called a timeout to put his subs in because. He just wanted to let him play since they had a like a big lead, and Jawan Howard at that was like, "Oh, you're gonna pay for this." So they're like, "Okay." He was explaining himself like, "Okay, I do this so I can get my players in this and that," and then soon all hell cracks loose and there's this punching and shoving going on, and it's funny. I I just sent you a clip before it. I'm sure you saw it. Of, uh, the one Wisconsin coach was telling him to suck it. He used to see on the side. He's telling Jawan Howard to suck it. It was funny. I mean, you're allowed to do that stuff when you win. Like, yeah. I mean, taking a beat down like that, it's just like you're in no position to trash talk. Like, your team just got beat, and you can't beat. You can't run your mouth. Like, yeah, it, I agree. I, it's ridiculous. It's just. I mean, now I feel like I'm happy that one Wisconsin guy didn't get suspended because. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of surprised nowadays because everyone gets suspended for everything or fine. Like that one, like when Tyree Hill puts his P sign up when he runs past like people on his way for a touchdown and stuff like that. Like in the Super Bowl, when he did that against Antoine Winfield and then Antoine Winfield did it back to him when they won, they both got suspended for that. Like stupid stuff like that. Shouldn't People shouldn't get suspended for it. But throwing a punch, 100%. I mean, that honestly brings up like a um... – Another uh, like topic is, I legitimately I feel like coaches should be held to a higher standard than the players because oh yeah you know they're more mature you know they're more wise they have more years of experience and like let's be honest like if a player if a player punched another player like he's probably not playing and he's not playing this season and he's probably not gonna play ever again in the NCAA and it's just like I I don't. I think if Jawan Howard was a player, first of all, if he was going to get drafted, his draft stock's going to be tanking because of it. And I think he would have been suspended for the rest of the season. So I I don't like what the NCAA is doing because it's going to open a whole can of worms because it's Jawan Howard. I'm going to stick with it. It might be a hot take. It might not be. But 
he should have been suspended for the rest of the season. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But also, I think uh, like part of it is that Jawan Howard was a great NBA player. He was part of the Fab Five in Michigan, so they don't want to make him look as bad, and they just want to keep his subtle, a uh, quick five game suspension, and he'll be back to the Big Ten tournament where it all matters. So moving on. Uh, so Brian Flores was finally signed. He got hired by. Uh, Pittsburgh as a senior defensive assistant and the a linebackers coach. Do you think this was deserved, or do you think he should be on a higher role? All right, well, I mean, the whole thing with the Giants situation, I mean, I'm a Bills fan, so this might be a biased take, but Flores definitely didn't deserve that job over the ball. The ball ran that Bills offense, and it was explosive. Like, they had to make some changes during the season, and he was able to figure it out. And I mean, honestly, like, Brian Flores, like, I honestly believe the Dolphins season was a hoax. Like, they beat really bad teams, and they got smacked down against good teams. Like, the Dolphins lost to the Jaguars. They lost to the Bucks 45-17. to They got beat down by the Bills 35 to nothing. Like, they were only beating bad teams like the Giants, the Panthers, the Jets. And they beat the Patriots twice, which honestly is pretty impressive. But I, 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 think, I think Brian Flores is a fraud, and – him trying to use a race card to get, like, to get some leverage on the NFL, I guess. I think that was just a scummy move because uh, I don't think he deserved the head coaching job at New York. And I mean, I'm happy with the Giants hire right now because I think yeah, I think they're gonna turn it around. I think the oh, yeah. Giants' offense is definitely gonna get better because of the uh, new hire. Yeah, look, I mean, I can't tell you if he's a great coach or if he's a bad coach. But I can tell you that with what he had for him to go 24 and 25 in three seasons, it's, it's quite impressive. And if this is all true with him getting offered 100 k each game and denying it to Tank, which I feel is very possible because these old owners, they, they need a guy like Joe Burrow, someone like that, in order to turn their franchise around. Like, look at Joe Burrow. He, he brought his team to the Super Bowl. I could have been the Dolphins. This guy's this owner is probably going crazy, but clearly that's not how you do it. If you're tanking, which no one should ever be tanking, but if you're gonna tank, I would not offer someone a hundred thousand dollars. He is clearly in the end that's gonna get out. <laughs> if someone's angry, clearly Brian Flores was angry, but I would say he's honestly deserving of at least a defensive coordinator job. If like I don't know. I, I feel like you can't compare it to the Giants because the Giants they really have a great defense, and with hiring Brian as their coach, uh, I would say Josh Allen is a very similar prototype as Daniel Jones. They're both uh, uh, Josh Allen six four, Danny Dimes is six five, and they're both they can they're hard runners and they can both get the ball downfield. So I feel like if the Giants are moving in the direction of keeping Daniel Jones as their quarterback, so this is the way to go. Yeah, I mean. I like I like the direction that the Giants are going with this hire because, I mean, like you said, they had a good offense, and I think they just needed a spark in the offense. I think they're one or two pieces away from becoming, hopefully, a playoff team. And, like, I don't know, because it's – I mean, I'm just going to give Brian the ball all the praise he, he deserves because he elevated Buffalo's offense for sure. And, I mean, Buffalo's definitely going to – feel his presence missing at the start of the season, I feel like, because his play calling was amazing. I mean, you saw it during the uh, the uh, 
AFC divisional round against the Chiefs, they they were able to score two touchdowns in less than like in less than three minutes. Like yeah. I mean that's that that stuff is crazy. Like maybe Brian Flores is a strictly defensive coordinator, or if he has a or if he ever becomes head coach again, which I feel like I don't know if he's still going to become because after all this policy created, I'm not saying it's right or wrong what he did, but it happened to happen and we have to say. Yeah. So with the Buccaneers, they obviously Tom Brady retired. Gronk, I have a good feeling he's gonna retire unless they get a quarterback like that's gonna keep him a win now. They're not gonna I there's very high chances that Kyle Trask could they draft in I think the third or fourth round or fifth round last year. He's not gonna be the quarterback next year. So who do you think is gonna be the quarterback? Um I think they either make a run for Russell Wilson or um, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I think that's the only way you stay competitive because, I mean, the quarterback you just named, I don't even know who he is. Yeah, And, I mean, Tampa Bay still has the pieces to win. They just just need that quarterback. And because Tom Brady retired, um, I mean, there's just so many quarterbacks that I feel like you could just scoop up right now. Like Aaron Rodgers is unhappy in a situation – Russell Wilson's unhappy with his situation. Deshaun Watson's still there. Everyone forgets about Deshaun Watson. He he is arguably probably still a top five quarterback in the NFL still. And, yeah. And if the Buccaneers can pick him up, I mean, they could just pick up back where they were last year. And I think they could still make a deep run in the playoffs. They just need that quarterback. So I think their their best move this offseason would to be to get Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, or Deshaun Watson, figure out a way. To just you know, trade some pieces, some picks to uh, get them. Yeah, I'm sure the the asking price is reportedly uh, three first round picks and two two to four other pieces. So, including players or picks. So we have to see. And that's for Deshaun Watson. I'm sure the only thing I'm mulling about um, Aaron Rodgers is I don't think he wants to follow Tom Brady's legacy. I feel like. He like in twenty years from now, everyone's like, "Oh, Tom Brady built this team," and then he retired. The next year, Aaron Rodgers comes from behind and just takes a, ch- a championship that he missed out on. It's not gonna make him seem like he's the savior and the team was going going down the drain. He came and like saved them. They were literally in contention the two years that Tom Brady was there, and they already won a Super Bowl. So, I feel like if anything, Aaron Rodgers he posts that cryptic. Uh, Instagram post thanking his loved ones is what he came out and said on the Pat McAfee show today. But I feel like it'll probably take him a couple weeks to come to his senses and realize, am I going to retire? Am I going to go to the Broncos is where I personally think he's going to go. They have a decent amount of money because they got rid of Von Miller last year. And they have some weapons. Javante Williams was fantastic last year. Melvin Gordon Although he doesn't want to play a backseat role to Javante Williams, if he's going to want to be on a contender, he's going to have to do that. And Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy is phenomenal. Noah Fan is an elusive tight end. He's Evan Ingram, but a lot better, a lot stronger, can catch the ball. But the problem is that he can never stay healthy. Without a doubt, I think that Marquez Valdez-Gandling is going to follow. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, wherever he goes. But despite the fact that 
Devontae wants to stick with Aaron, which I don't blame him. He's a top three quarterback. Uh, there's just not going to be room for for him and Devontae. Devontae wants about 30 a year, so I don't yeah. know. We have to see. I but, mean, there's so many teams in the NFL right now that they're just like a quarterback away from making that run. I mean, there's the 49ers, there's the Tennessee Titans. I mean, Broncos, I think even if they still – even if they get an elite quarterback, I still think they're like a piece or two away from being in Super Bowl contention, but – I mean, all of these teams are just one quarterback away. And it's going to be interesting this offseason because there's three top quarterbacks in the market right now. And like, Oh, yeah. but And think about it. There's these rookies. And unfortunately, I do think that none of these quarterbacks will become – maybe Kenny Pickett. He reminds me almost of – he reminds me of like a Joe Burrow situation, kind of a old senior – has been there for about five years, but he can come in and win right away. Besides him, Malik Willis or Malik Willis, I don't really know much about him. I know he's a Liberty coach. Uh, I watched a game a couple years ago. I, I think Rutgers played against him. He's pretty phenomenal. He can run, but I feel like he might end up with a 2013 class when there's a uh, I think it was Mike Lennon, Geno Smith. Uh, E.J. Manuel, uh, Landry Jones, and Matt Barkley. I think it, it might end up like one of those classes with a bunch of bums that just never get, never pan out because there's just no. Usually in the past couple of years, there's been like these clear cut guys. Like la- a couple of years ago, it was Joe Burrow, Herbert, and Tua in the top five picks, and they're all from, they're all pretty good quarterbacks. We haven't seen Tua's full capacity because he's been hurt. And he also just hasn't had much chance, but or it could be a phenomenal class. We never know. But as of now, it's looking like it's just no quarterbacks going to go like so early, like normal. So I mean, yeah, and like if you're one of these teams, it's like, do you take the chance? Do you trade up in the draft to get one of these quarterbacks and like take the chance that? oh, yeah, it was a lot cheaper to pick this quarterback up. He might be the missing piece. Or do you just, you know, pay the hefty price tag of getting a quarterback that you already know what you're getting with him? Yeah. And This year, different story if it was a couple years ago. when, But this year, this class is just not looking at it. I mean, I'm not saying the class as a whole because there's a couple offensive linemen early. There's – a couple of defensive ends that are good, but I'm saying specifically the quarterbacks. I don't think it's as good as it like has been in the past. Mm-hmm. So leading in the direction of the Saints, they have to make a decision. Do they really like someone? I mean, Ole Miss is very close uh, to there, so they can get their quarterback, and I know he's ranked pretty high. But I feel like the Saints aren't going to want to go into rebuild. Michael Thomas is aging. Drew Brees just retired, so they have all these pieces. Cameron Jordan is getting older. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore is getting older. Their whole defense is getting older. So I don't think that – I think they're going to be in play for Deshaun Watson if they're willing to play that price tag. And as you said, which is – I completely agree with that. That was spot on. It just depends what teams want to pay. And once one of these three quarterbacks goes, that determines the – price tag of the other two because I feel like that all three are going to be traded this offseason. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that also I mean, something I want to add to that is 
I mean, something that's huge for me is um, Sean Payton retiring because if Sean Payton really believed that the Saints could make another run, I feel like he would have stuck with the team. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I think that's something to watch out for. I think I think, I think, think New Orleans is going to go on a downfall. I think they're going to have – I think this next upcoming year they might have – a decent year, they might even sneak into the playoffs, seven seed, six seed. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them going into a rebuild soon. Yeah, I hate to be this. I hate to be like this, but I, I feel like that this year is when they're going to take the cap hit, cut a bunch of veteran players to save up for next year's free agency because they've been battling them like, against the cap. And honestly, most teams have because players, certain role players that like, for example, as I brought him up late, late before, Marcus Vantless Scanley, he's going to want a three year, $30 million deal. 100% he's not worth it. He's definitely not worth it. He's aging. He's about 27 years old, I would say. There's no reason that these third receivers on team should, gain, should be gaining this much money. I would say they should get like three years, $24 million, something like that. That's even a lot. I would say three years, $18 million. And maybe it's because. They see other players, and maybe they're on like a pass heavy team. Like, uh, I would say the Packers are pass heavy, and they, when they go to get their contracts, they're like, Oh, I got so many yards. And meanwhile, it'd be half time on any other team. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of teams are backing down against the cap. Like, the Giants had 50 mil a couple of years ago, and now they, I think they're like below the cap. It's crazy. So, all right. Uh, let's shift over to the NBA. I know you're very strong about your case that Nikola Jokic should be the MVP. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> what gives you that reasoning? I mean, all right. Nikola Jokic is having a historical season right now. And I honestly believe it's more impressive than uh, Russell Westbrook when he averaged a triple-double for the first time. And I, I think it just comes down to the advanced statistics, in my opinion, because, I mean, you look at his points, you look at his rebounds, you look at his assists, it's like, oh, wow, like, yeah, he's averaging 26 points, 14 rebounds, eight assists. Like, those are good, solid numbers. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, they don't scream um, MVP straight at you. But when you look at the advanced stats, like his PER, his box plus minus, his defensive plus minus – he he he's breaking records right now that weren't supposed to be touched. He has a higher PER than Michael Jordan ever had in his career. He has a bizarre defensive plus minus that I honestly don't think gets talked about enough. It's because Jokic used to be a defensive liability when he was on the court. He was slow. He couldn't guard outside really that well. He moved his feet slowly. He would get bully balled. But I mean, now he slimmed down a lot. He's put on a lot of muscle. He He's good at the post. He's quick with his feet now. I mean, when you look at his blocks, it's not that impressive. But if you ever watch a Nuggets game, like the whole game, not just the highlights, you can see that his presence has felt like, you know, big men can't really go down low anymore against Jokic. They can't really set picks on um, – they can't really use a pick and roll to, like, try and switch Jokic onto guard because he's yeah. quick on his feet now. and. I mean, the Nuggets are 33-25 and 25 right now, and if they didn't have Jokic, I doubt they even have double-digit wins. Yeah. Um, 
honestly, uh, the PR stat it tends to it's always high for centers, and uh, like uh, Jokic is number one, Giannis is number two, and Bede is number three. So that would honestly make sense because he's not shooting as many threes as Michael Jordan was or mid range shots. He's he's doing most of his work in the dirty down below the basket and getting all his rebounds and I mean assists off of pick and rolls like you said. I can't deny the fact that he's a great player and he's for sure top three in the MVP race. And I'm not saying that Giannis is up by a high margin on the race and neither in B, neither Jokic, I feel like it's gonna have to come down to the eighty second game of the season. And as of now, honestly, Jokic is averaging uh, what is he averaging? Twenty six points a game. That's eighth in the league. Uh, second in the league in rebounding, and I think eighth in the league. Yeah, eighth in the league in assists with eight. And obviously, the stats are screaming out. I can disagree with that because he's ranked top eight in all these stats in second for one. But I mean, he's honestly being his usage rate is so high. Because he's basically their main. He obviously assists or scores on 30, 34 points a night, which is a lot. Uh, I think Giannis is the same, except they just have no help, honestly. And that's what it comes down to. I mean, Will Barton is their second leading scorer. Come on. That guy's, that guy's I mean, like 31 at this point. This guy's close to retiring, and he's their second leading scorer. I feel bad that. Michael Porter Jr. came back for nine games. He was abysmal. He even averaged 10 points. He was awful. Aaron Gordon, you're right. All he does is dunk the ball. But I guess for Giannis, for a guy like Giannis, to put up these numbers with these stars around him is actually phenomenal. More shot opportunities. He's getting he's getting more, as many rebounds as he can, even though he has a center in Bobby Portis. He's a powerful forward getting these rebounds. He's a powerful forward getting this many assists. And it's not like he's a traditional type of player. He can now he's starting to stress the floor a little more. And I mean, honestly, there's just Giannis is third right now in the defensive player of the year race. Defense wins are the most underrated statistics that come in that come in when you are talking about the MVP race because. That's what get you wins, and wins is what matters basically most. I I know there's been a couple like last year, LeBron was. Uh, I think the Lakers finished seventh, and LeBron like had a fantastic season, but he didn't play many games, and like just little stats like that is what decides it. So, I mean, the thing is though, what like Jokic's defense it doesn't show up on stats and. I mean, it's really sad because a lot of people, you know, they're not watching Denver Nuggets basketball because it's not a national TV. It's not really that exciting basketball. But if you ever just watch a full game through, like, you'll understand why I believe that Jokic is the runaway MVP in the NBA right now. It's because, I mean, like, a good example to show that numbers don't mean everything is Jimmy Butler is an amazing defender in the NBA. I don't think anyone has any doubts about that. And he's only averaging right now 0.5 blocks and 1.8 steals. And Jokic yeah, is averaging. 1.8 steals is phenomenal. For you to average close to two 
uh, two points. I mean, two steals or two blocks would be nice. Just crazy. And I know Jokic is averaging like 0. 0.7 steals and 0. 0.7 blocks. Maybe why I think his defensive stats when you said he's on the court is elevated is because uh, I think their backup center is like Zeke Naji. That guy, come on, that guy was the, is the biggest bust in Nuggets history. They drafted him like 22nd overall or something like that, and he's just abysmal. I mean, Jokic is averaging 1.3 steals as a center. I think I that shows that his pick-and-roll defense definitely got a lot better because, I mean, he has a long reach. He's big, so they can't really shoot over him anymore. And he can clog up the passing lanes. And, I mean, you, like, I'll just keep saying it. Like, you just have to watch a Denver Nuggets game, like, the whole game. And you'll understand why. It's like this guy's falling down shooting Dirk one-legged fadeaways, and then the next play, he's going to do pick and roll, and he's going to find, like, the smallest crack to put the ball in so that Aaron Gordon yeah, can... I can't deny that he's a very versatile center because he clearly is. Some of these passes I see when he's backing someone down, he flips it over the back of his head, and just it lands perfectly in the guy's hand. It's, like, actually phenomenal. But I'm just saying that there's no clear-cut number one right now because... It's just we haven't been proven. I feel like he's going to come down if one of these three guys knock on, knock on wood, they won't get hurt. But if that happens, then I feel like, I don't know, There's it's just going to take a while. It's going to be a close one. I mean, only time will tell. Yeah. All right. So uh, we saw the All-Star game, and we saw Seth Curry's rankings. I mean, record, sorry. He was 16 threes. He had 50 points. But how do you feel about – like the all-star game, do you feel that it's good as it is? You don't mind people not trying? Like, or you just want to be more competitive? And what do you think they could do to change it if you think they should? I mean, the NBA all-star game, I I don't think you can convince 20-something amazing NBA players to try their hardest in a game that has no meaning because, you know, they're not, they're not getting – they're not really getting that much money compared to how much they make in their contracts. Of course. They're not – it's not going to benefit their team at all. It's not going to benefit them in their postseason. And, I mean, honestly, like, I don't know what you could do to incentivize these players to go harder, to really try harder, to play some defense. But, I mean, it's definitely better than the NFL Pro Bowl. That was atrocious. Oh, of course, yeah. But, I mean, I feel like that's hard. But, I mean, I think – more than the all-star game itself, this all-star, like, they got to change some stuff because I think the dunk competition was the weakest dunk competition I've ever seen. You know, you want to hear my take is the dunk competition doesn't have these high-level high names like, uh, who was it, Juan Toscano Anderson and Obi Toppin, Cole Anthony. I'm not going to lie. Some of these dunks that Obi Toppin did, the way he made it seem like, so sly, like, come on, he's jumping over a guy's head and putting behind the back and dunking it, and then he's doing it this between-the-leg dunk like, off the backboard is phenomenal. I think that, at this point, everyone's expecting from, like, all these stupid dunks that we see from these pro dunkers on Instagram, that this isn't that crazy, but these are crazy. Compared, like, Zach Levine, was his dunk, where his dunks back in 2016 that much better than Obi Toppin is off the backboard between the legs, dunk. I, I really don't think so. I think that 
just us humans have like as we progress we just get better and we just expect like everything to get a lot better meanwhile it's just getting like only like a little better i i really don't know but i feel like that is not the that is not as big as a problem as people see i think people are just like oh we want zach levine we want aaron gordon sorry they're not coming back they're never coming back and i think that the changes should be done to the all-star game i mean maybe the incentive right now is a hundred thousand to each winning player and 25,000 is a losing player. A way you can change that is if you either increase it to maybe 200,000 for the winner and 20,000 for the loser. So they see that massive $180,000 gap and they want to try. So some guys like, let's say, Lamella Ball, his contract is about $8 million a year. Uh, that was at 200,000 out of $8, $8 million. That's a big chunk. That's like, so, I feel like someone like him would try, um, but there's this, I don't know, I feel like it's its kind of fun, though. I mean, I, I enjoyed watching Steph Curry go for 50 points. How could you not? He's shooting the ball, turning around at half court, and running down the court as he just swishes. Like, stuff like that is just phenomenal. You get to see Ja, he tries, like, all this stuff. Everyone's just showing out their skills, which is it's cool. I mean... And everyone loves seeing high-scoring games. Uh, I think the total is like 323, which is phenomenal. I know um, the over was 324. Somehow the the betters guess only one point off. Kind of sus, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. It, it's amazing to see, but I don't like just watching these guys just like jog down the court and then just like chuck up a three and then just jog back to the other side. Now their team chucks it up like – yeah. Like, it'd be amazing to see, like, an amazing defender, like, um, you know, like like a Jimmy Butler guarding a Curry. And it's just, like, having that, but, like, all five players on the court. So <laughs> If that were to happen, that actually be sick. Because think about it. It's just, like, can Seth, can Steph Curry score against Jimmy Butler? And then, then he passes out to – he passed out to LeBron just to get guarded by Embiid. I'm just making up random matchups. And then he passed out to, to be honest, it's just like a massive super team. It's two super teams going at each other. But mm-hmm. I feel like no matter what you change, nothing's going to nothing's gonna happen. Like, the NFL's gotten even softer. I remember when I was a little kid, like, I would used to see, like, them tackling each other. And now it's like two-hand touch football. It's like, it's sad. Like, Max Crosby goes in for the sack and – he literally puts his hands on Russell Wilson and they call it dead. It's like so stupid. Yeah. But anyways, um, the top 75 came out with a list. And I mean, the, for the 75th anniversary, the NBA came out with a list. And I honestly can disagree with a couple of the rankings. Uh, do you have any opinion on this? All right. This might be a hot take, but... I believe that Anthony Anthony Davis does not belong anywhere near this list. Oh, I agree. And the reason why I think that is because of one name that wasn't on here, and that's Dwight Howard. I mean, people forget how dominant this guy used to be. He, he everyone called him the next Shaq because that's what he was. He was he was so dominant. He could get he could do whatever he wanted to do down low. He could dunk on you. He could grab rebounds 12 feet in the air. He could 
throw down lobs that it seems like he'd have to fly to catch. And, I mean, he took his team to the finals, like, basically all alone. And it's just – I think Dwight okay. Howard was snubbed. Like, oh, he, 100%. he was – in his prime, he was the most dominant player in the NBA at that time. Yeah, of course. He um, He's an NBA champion. I know that was late in his uh, career with the Lakers, but he's an eight-time All-Star, eight-time All-NBA honor, five times All-Defensive team member, I mean All-Defensive, and three times Defensive Player of the Year. And 100%, arguably, he could have been uh, MVP when he's in Magic. And... I feel like Anthony Davis, what was he ranked on this list? He was ranked uh, 71st? No, yeah, there's just no way. Uh, honestly, he's hasn't been playing in the league for too long, and he hasn't been able to prove himself this year nor last year. And he's been very injury-prone. Carmelo Anthony, come on, he's at 69. I, I feel like that's just way too low for him. For Russell Westbrook, although this is kind of a controversy now, come on, he's he won MVP twice, and he owns a triple-double record. Respectfully, he has to be above Paul Pierce. Come on. At the end of his career, he definitely will be. And Carmelo Anthony, I'm sorry. This guy was dominant for the Knicks. He's maybe, besides, like, Joe Johnson, he he was maybe one of the most dominant. Like, I'm, I'm not kind of like LeBron James because LeBron James can take up the ball, do this and that, this and that, and, I'm saying, like, ISO one-on-one players backing down. Carmelo Anthony and Joe Johnson are some of the most dominant players. I'm not definitely not saying Joe Johnson deserves to be on the list because he doesn't. But I do have to say that one of the big things that stuck out is how um, – um, sorry. I would say that Jason Kidd is a little high on this list. Although he was a fantastic – uh, like assisting the ball, doing this and that, average two steals per game, which is great. I would say someone like I don't know Ray Allen, who owns who owned the record, deserves to be higher. And I know Ray Allen has some championships. Gary Payton, he is higher. I mean, as he deserves to be, he's one of the, the best defensive player. But Kobe Bryant is tenth. Do you think that Kobe should be higher or lower? Or he's good where he is. I mean. It's really hard to debate that because, I mean, Kobe at his prime was like he was basketball. Like he was he was the second coming of Michael Jordan. But it's hard because he's a great player, but I don't know if he's number ten. You think he should be lower? I think definitely top fifteen, but. I feel like I could give you a list of 10 players that are better than Kobe Bryant. I mean, look, Shaq right behind him at number 11. Talk about most dominant player. Like, come on. There's there's, there's no way that Tim Duncan – actually, I don't know. I had I have to give Tim Duncan credit because he's he was in the NBA for 19 years. He won, a, he won what, five championships. He, he deserves to be there 100%. I mean, I would say that honestly, Kobe kind of deserves as much as I would like to say that. I would say he's definitely better than Oscar Robertson. I uh, don't get me wrong, Oscar was just very big <laughs> compared to his defenders, and 
it was kind of overpowered. Kobe probably, I don't know, I would say he's like an eighth or ninth best player of all time. Shaq, definitely top ten. Probably mm-hmm. nine or ten. Kevin Durant just isn't the twelfth best player in the league. I mean, I know we'll shift into this topic in a little bit, but come on. There's no way that he deserves to be this high. Oh yeah, he's has a couple of, he has a championship, whatever. Come on. He had Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, Andre Wadala on his team, fantastic role players. That that was one of the best teams in history. Well, clearly the best team in history. Seventy three and nine, but that's just I, I just I, I don't know. I mean what do you think? I think that also brings up one one more thing is with this ranking is I think there's a lot of recency bias in it. And oh yeah. Because I, it's like I mean the reason why Dwight Howard got snubbed is because for the past five years he's been, you know, like he he's been a bench player. Yeah. But like, you know, if this list came out in like two thousand 12, 2013, like Dwight Howard's going to be honestly probably in like the top 50% because they're going to be like, oh, he's, you know, he's only, go- he's only going to go up from here. Yeah, I agree because think about it, these players back then, they weren't here for longevity. They just want to have their prime years and then they retired. Like, Oscar Robinson only played 14 years, so he didn't wait for his, himself to get all old and become a bench piece. Like, like Dwight Howard is. Dwight Howard is 36 and he's still playing. This is, It's just, I agree with that 100%. And that brings us into a topic that KD needs a super team to win after they sign Dragons. They've, when Kyrie can play, which by the playoffs he'll be able to play, I know they will, it'll be Kyrie, uh, Curry, Simmons, KD, then Drummond. Off the bench, Patty Mills, who's a fantastic on-ball uh, guard, Goran Dragic, who's been on an all-NBA team before, one most embri- most improved player. <clears throat> he still can go for at least a night if he's given uh, playing time. James Johnson, Bruce Brown, who's the defensive player that this is created too. I mean, he's 6'6", and he's able to guard players. Like I think during the Bucks series, he was guarding Giannis at some points, and he was doing a lot better. He was guarding... Brooke Lopez, he's doing a phenomenal job. Lamarcus Aldridge, he can still go for 15 and I know Dimitri is very high in Lamarcus, which how could you not? I mean, honestly, he does not deserve to be on the all 75 list, but if there's a all for the hundredth year one, he might be on it. Probably not, but you never know. And think about it, Blake Griffin is still like a former NBA all-star, and he's just their eleventh man off the bench. That's crazy. Cam Thomas. If he was on any other team right now, he'd be getting quality minutes. He reminds me of Emmanuel quickly because he's so inefficient. And I was I would say that on any other team he'd be getting a lot of playing time. And unfortunately, Joe Harris is hurt for probably the whole he won't be he won't come back hundred percent healthy. Yeah, I mean I don't know because this is like unprecedented. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's never – because it's like, historically, we bashed on a lot of players that never won a ring. And that's definitely, like, affected, like, you know, their status as, like, all-time greats because it's like, oh, yeah, no, they're great. They put up great numbers. Yeah. But they didn't want a ring. And I honestly think that what KD's doing is going to reverse that logic, actually. I think everyone's going to look at KD rings and be like, I mean, yeah, he couldn't have gotten – 
those two without Curry, without Clay Thompson, without Draymond Green. And then and if he gets a ring with Brooklyn, everyone's just gonna be like, Oh, you know, without Kyrie, without Ben Simmons, without Seth Curry, without all of these pieces, he's not winning a ring. I mean and, I, I feel like that is kind of accurate. He like he's not like a player like Giannis. Giannis is stayed on the same team. Giannis stayed on the same team, got his ring, is still in contention. And it's not like they signed, oh, Chris Middleton signed them, trade their whole farm for him, and they literally just drafted him. He's been on the team for, uh, I think, 12 years now, or nine years, I don't know. And he's just stayed stuck with the team, built it up. That's the way you do it. You don't be like the the Nets and trade for all these players and just do all this. That's not fun. That's not, that's not the NBA. Uh, I forgot who said this. I feel like it was Kevin Garnett. Yeah, I think it was Kevin Garnett. He's like, oh, no one wants to, no one can win on their own anymore. So now they're all teaming up, which is so true. He's like, I don't have respect for people that do that, which I 100% agree. So, I mean, it's funny because KD tweeted back when um the whole Miami thing happened. He had tweeted, I guess everyone wants to play for the Lakers in the Heat now. And it's like the fact that he tweeted that he had that opinion and now he's just. You know, making super teams left and right is I, I ultimately think it's gonna hurt his legacy, because people are gonna you know look at his rings as frauds because he he didn't win them alone. He 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 needed all these pieces to even compete for a championship, and he hasn't even won one on the Nets yet. So yeah, I mean, I feel like these rings speak <clears throat> for themselves. Giannis is number eighteen; he's twenty-seven years old, and KD is number twelve, and he's 30, 33. Clearly, Giannis is better than Kevin Durant according to these rankings because. In six years, I can guarantee that that Giannis is going to get another MVP, at least one, at least another ring, at least another one defensive player of the year because um, who knows what Ben Simmons is going to do for the Nets. Who knows if he ever is going to play again. He's a softy. That's it for today. Thank you, John. We'll see you guys next week.